Welcome to the Better Student Ministry Podcast, where we take a deep dive into practical youth ministry topics to help you and your team become better at what God has called you to do. We're joined now by your hosts, Mark and Jared, who together have over 30 years of youth ministry experience. Hey everybody, welcome to Better Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Jared. And my name is Mark. Glad to be back with you guys. We got another special guest with us today, Mark. I'm very excited. Yeah, this is like getting to meet new friends without actually having the awkward social interaction of having to see them. So it's fun. Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a wonderful and beautifully put by you. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. This uh, Our guest today is uh, a great friend of mine. Um, this is a true story before I introduce him is our last time together physically in the same space was basically when coronavirus broke. And we were in Philadelphia and New York City on the same couple of days together. We were at the last NBA basketball game that was allowed. And, uh, and, and that night was the night that Trump, I think, banned travel to Europe and everything basically hit the fan. And, uh, and it was beautiful to be there with you, Steve. It was <laughs> <laughs> so our guest is, uh, is Steve Mason. He serves as the uh, district youth director for Alabama, a uh, longtime youth pastor before that. And uh, has a lot of different roles in leading leaders and uh, being a part of what their district is doing in the Assemblies of God out there in Alabama. And, uh, and, and he's just a great friend. And, um, and I'm really thankful to have him uh, to be a part of our podcast today and share with us about a, a topic that's really important as we talk about uh, creating a healthy youth ministry culture. So, Steve, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jared and Mark. It's good to be with you guys. And, uh, yes, um, that that little segue of of just our last moment together was in the epicenter of New York City, and uh, doing a little foodie tour. And as the place was going in chaos, like like just you could just feel the tension in the air. We're sitting eating like New York's best pizza and donuts and everything else. And there was nobody I'd rather spend that with than than you, Jared. Right. And and David was with us as well. I mean, he's a big foodie, so yeah. we had a plan. And my claim to fame is I was at the last NBA game with people in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the awkward like screens that are there now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man. Hey, well, thanks, just, thanks for being on. We're we're excited to to dive in this topic, and I know it's something you're passionate about. I've talked a lot about to youth leaders and their teams, and so. Um, the concept or the idea is creating a healthy youth culture. So when you explain to us before we dive into some of the nitty gritty, like when you talk about healthy youth culture, what does that mean to you? How would you define that? Yeah. So, I mean, um, this is not a new definition uh, that I've created, but it's been said uh, that culture is, is a combination of what you create and what you allow. So what are you creating and what are you allowing in your youth ministry that creates the environment that you have right now? It's not currently what you want. It's what you're allowing to uh, permeate your youth ministry um, that's creating the culture that you have currently. And um, I liken it to like going into a, um, a your favorite restaurant. Why? Uh, why do you go into the restaurants you go into or why do you shop at the shops that you go to? It's the culture. It's the feel in which, uh, in which they create um, that creates that, man, this is, this is a place that I feel safe. This is a place that I feel welcome. This is a place that shows excellence and all of those things. Um, you know, it's why I choose one airlines over another airlines. It's, and, um, you know, 
like it's why I choose. Uh, I don't know if you guys have this up here, up up in New York, but Chick Fil A um, is God's chicken, and yeah, you know have. we have them everywhere in the South. I mean, and you can just like, especially during this pandemic season, like like when you have to go through a drive-through and everything is drive-through right now. And so there is a difference between going through a Chick-fil-A drive-through and going through a McDonald's drive-through. And, um, I, if you're a dad, you get kind of stressed out when you're going through a drive-through anyway, because you have to like organize all the orders and you have to get it all right. Who wants no onions and who wants pickles, who wants, um, ketchup. And so like they have a system down, like they could run the world, with the system in which they have. And, you know, obviously, you know, if, if, you know, you say, um, thank you very much. What do they say back? They say, it's my pleasure. You know, that's like the culture in which they have brought it all the way down to the verbiage in which somebody speaks. And so that's really important uh, in church world as we translate into church world, how we create a culture creates healthy youth ministries, help creates healthy students. And it all starts uh, with the culture we're creating. Um, and I really believe it's really valuable and important. And I think we need to assess it. And, you know, culture is created through vision. It's created through um, our values and our values are, are what makes us who we are. And uh, it's the number one force in which we create um, healthy youth ministries. And so I, I'd ask the question to leaders and like, what are your values? What are your core values? I mean, we depend so much on um, assuming that the church just needs to have their values. But um, if you don't have values for your youth ministry, uh, I think that you and depend just solely on the big church. Um, I think kids will lose track and uh, be lost in the system, if you will, and just go through um, the motions and you will have you won't have a systematic um, purpose in your youth ministry. That's good. I think I, I think one of the things I I way wish I caught way earlier in my youth ministry time was the idea that those values are kind of the the measuring rod by which we decide. Okay, what are we doing? How we're doing it? Why are we doing it? And then you keep you're able to fall back on those because uh, you can get busy just adding stuff to the calendar and, and, and hanging out with kids and doing the fun stuff that they want to do and and, uh, and and pretty quickly feel exhausted for, and be like, man, we do so much and then realize, wait a minute, we ha- there's no measure of whether what we're yep. doing is any good or successful. And and so I know as you were, uh, as you have prepared to, and spoke with other leaders and, and prepared to, to come in and hang with us, you've identified kind of seven um, specific values related to youth ministry. And so we're hoping that we can take some time and talk through through those so what would be the first uh what would be the first maybe i don't know if these are in like order of importance or if they can be you know or if there's not any particular order to them but what would be the first that you would identify as a value of a healthy youth ministry to create the culture that you're looking for yeah no doubt so um i get this from acts chapter two um where it really is you know the beginning of the church the the uh the local church how it began and i feel like it had some healthy um, behaviors that I feel like we need to adapt, not just in the big church, but also in our youth ministries as well. And the first one is initial, initiate, uh, intentional, rather spiritual growth and, uh, intentional spiritual growth is so important. It says in Acts chapter two, uh, verse 42 is that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. 
And um, I think that is probably probably the most foundational, important um, role that we could play in a student's life. I mean, we're, we're developing um, their spiritual habits and, and, and creating in them uh, the formation of how they're going to live out their life spiritually. And I can tell you in my own life, you know, there's some patterns that I picked up uh, just from my own youth pastor that I believe are important um, that I want to implement in our youth ministries. Um, and I can look back on and like, as a parent, I'll be honest with you. Like, there's a lot of things that I feel like I need to go back and apologize for as a, uh, I'm a, I'm a parent of, of teenagers and, um, and I feel like I need to go back and apologize, um, to parents mm-hmm. because I thought I knew what teenagers really needed and what they, what, you know, how to really help them. And I thought I was going to really help our parents, you know, be good uh, parents to teenage teenagers. And I had no clue, no idea what I was talking about um, back then, because, you know, when you you become a parent of a teenager, you really realize um, like it's, it's not easy. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea. Um, And I would say like, you have to start with the bare bones question you have a student for four years. What do you want them to look like when it's all said and done? Mm-hmm. What are some values in them that you want them to carry over that you want them to believe in and, and, and live out. And, you know, I, I, I think David Hartwick, you know, who is a master at these, you know, creating gospel fluency in students lives and in youth ministries. I think that's where a, a great foundation that began. And I started asking some of those questions and heard the term moralistic uh, therapeutic deism, which, you know, is, in other words, we, we just want kids to feel good, to be happy and to be aware of God. And it's like the the gospel of Oprah or Dr. Phil. And I think we're, we're creating these students that are moral, you know, morally good, but, you know, are empty in their own soul. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, sometimes I wonder um, sometimes I believe that people who don't even have faith can be more, <laughs> can be better, uh, could be better Christians than even that we are, but it's not about that. It's about having a foundation in Jesus. It's about standing, you know, it's, it's about walking with Jesus and abiding in him and him abiding in us, um, uh, which is the key to the foundation of our faith. And if we're not teaching that, if we're not te- being gospel fluent in our messages and teaching that Jesus, uh, it's not. I heard this guy talking and he, and I told you his name. You would know exactly who he is. He was on a secular podcast and he was sharing. And man, I was like, what an incredible opportunity, but I'll be honest with you. He made his church sound so much more attractive than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And man, if we are going to make our youth ministries, you know, appealing, and I think that's important and I think excellence is important, but if we make that more appealing, and more attractive to them than we make Jesus, then they're going to walk away from their faith in four years because all they were attracted to was our youth ministries. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. And uh, I, I mean, you got seven things, man. We could spend a couple of podcasts probably on each one of these. Um, but I love that as a starting point of really mapping out where do we want to see our students go spiritually. And so um, let's transition uh, to number two. What's the what's one of the second kind of components of a of a really healthy so the first was uh, intentional spiritual growth, having intentional growth. The second one is having authentic leadership. Um, everyone, 
the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, following that verse uh, 42 and 43, is everyone was filled with awe and um, with many signs and wonders by the apostles. There was an apostles, apostles that were leading the way and they were filled with awe because of the the, the wonders and signs and miracles that were uh, performed by the apostles. And so, um, not again, it's not about... Um, how attractive we are, how, you know, relevant we are. I think some of the most relevant youth ministries and youth pastors are the ones who know how to connect and are authentic and are real with students. I, I want to be the most successful. I want success is found in being famous, not around the world, but being famous in our own home. Mm. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. You can kind of tell how healthy a youth pastor is by how, his home is, you know, and, and if there's constant tension between him and his spouse or him and his kids, you know, there, there's something wrong. There's an imbalance there and you can kind of feel the tension. And I think it's really important that we get our own personal lives correct and healthy and um, right. So we can demonstrate authentic leadership to our students. Um, and, you know, the couple of ways we do that is just simply, you know, living whole holistically and making sure we're leading our family well, but also um, how we communicate about our pastor to our students is really important. Oh, um, if we're constantly undermining our, our pastor in front of our students, then that poisons our youth ministry. And if we don't respect authority, then how in the world are we going to expect our youth, our students to, to respect us and our respect our authority or respect others if we don't show a demonstration of honor um, to leadership. And that would, that would apply to our youth leaders too, right? I mean, it's not just, Absolutely. Not just yeah. the students, but a lot of times we can do that with the students, but then when they're adult youth leaders, we're, we're, we're um, displaying such a bad attitude and creating more of a division between the youth ministry and the, and the adult service. Yeah. And that's, that's that whole, that's that whole premise too, of like more is caught than is taught. And so that whole idea of like, when I, when I, you know, I did youth ministry for 16 years and when I've talked to students who have long graduated from our youth ministry about things that were a blessing to them, things that we, you know, what should we keep doing and you, and, and, um, not, you know, not many of them really remembered any message I ever preached, but they remembered the way that I interacted with my wife when we were on events together, or they remembered the way that my kids would come in at the end of youth, uh, the youth nights and, and run around and the way we would interact with them when, you know, that weren't old enough yet to be in the youth group, but they saw me be a dad and they saw my wife be a mom and they saw healthy relationships and, um, or, or, you know, when we would pick them up and go do something and they're like, Hey, this, this isn't just something that he's preaching. This is, this is how he lives his life. And then equally important to the successes were them getting to witness me go through, um, not failures necessarily, but see me go through times of having to apologize, asking for forgiveness, and and showing that uh, it's not just always about being right. Usually to your co-host. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that's so important that they, they – they want to see us in our weaknesses and see us humble. And I think that's part of growth and transparency and authenticity as well. Like, do we apologize? Are we humble? I mean, are we constantly, we're the man or we're the woman, we're, we're the person in charge and, you know, our spouses need to, you know, submit to us and, you know, we're constantly putting them down, man, I'm telling you, um, our, our kids, our youth, our students, they will see that. And, um, that will be emanated later on in their lives as well. That's good. Um, 
really important. Yeah, I think that transitions us well to your third uh, your third point as it relates to that authenticity, but as it relates to genuine relationships, which is your third point. Talk to us a little bit about what do you mean by genuine having genuine relationships? Yeah, um, Acts forty two verse forty four, or excuse me, two verse forty four says all believers were together and had everything in common. There was a common unity that was taking place, and I think one of the things that students are looking for right now. Um, is less it's less about like a a cool feel uh, or a hip feel in, in your youth ministry especially during this covid season like we can't gather together to have a big services um, and, and it's more about having a warm feel and having a family feel man kids want to know and feel like they're part of a family more than they want to feel like they're a part of a crowd and um you know having unity in the midst of diversity. We don't have to all agree. We're all coming from different backgrounds, but right now in the midst of, um, man, it's just disunity when it comes to our culture today and, you know, the racial divide, man, they have to hear things put in a biblical um, framework of like, how, how do we need to have genuine relationships? I'm not, I don't look like you. I don't like have the same background as you, but man, the Christ brings us together. Christ unifies us and draws us together so we can have a family feel um you know programs are great but our values need to be man we're going to put individuals over our crowds um uh, you know and i remember one time we had had a student i I wanted to have a big event and i was all about the big and we had the biggest youth ministry um in our city uh and i went to a school and we had a reputation that was going around and man it was like there was a lot of momentum that was taking place. And I remember asking a student, Hey, why don't you come this Wednesday night? You'll love it. And he looked at me. He's like, do you just want me to come um, because you want me to fill a seat or do you really care about me? And that was humbling to me. And every person matters. Every student matters every because they matter to God. They must matter to us. And so it's, it's those genuine relationships. They can feel, they can sense a mile away uh, when you're not being authentic and when you're not being real, and that's like, I, I want to have a relationship with students, not because I want them to just join my youth ministry, but because I care about them. Yeah. And and uh, they should know that that young boy was me. <laughs> I was, I was that boy. I was and it that. changed, <laughs> and it changed your ministry forever. No, I, I, I love what you're saying. In fact, I heard, um, it may have been you who I had speaking to some of our leaders or someone who said, um, you said the one thing that, that, um, people can't get right now anywhere else, like online. You know, you can find a, mm-hmm. you can find the best sermons online, the best worship online. You can find everything online, yeah. but the one thing they can't find is mentorship. It's relationship. It's disciple making uh, relationships. Like and and ironically, that's the one thing they desire the most. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and so that's what we can give them. So I love I love that idea. Um, let's transition now into uh, into number four. So uh, Steve, what's number four? Number four is generosity. Um, you know, it's investing our resources well. At verse 45, it says they sold property and possessions to give it, give to, so that any, anyone who had need had, had what they needed. And so um, what it says is, man, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, I've found that people are not motivated by need. They're motivated, motivated by vision. Um, they want to know that, we're belonging to something, a vision, a calling, a cause that's something bigger than ourselves. And it, 
you know, I think so many times we overstimulate and under challenge this generation and we um, need to to take a step back and say, I, I know that we have every excuse in the world why students can't invest. And, and I know in our culture, as some as a goddess, we delight. Um, there's every reason in the world why students can't give right now. They don't have a job, whatever, you know, but I found that the marketplace believes that um, the exact opposite. They spent $15 billion last year on marketing to this generation because they believe uh, if they don't have the money, they'll find the money somehow uh, in order you know, to get them. And, and they believe that they'll find it. And so I found that this generation is not just um, in Generation Z is not just global, but it's also local. And they're called the local generation. I mean, obviously, they have friendships all around the world now. And so taking them on mission trips is so critical, um, getting them to be generous, getting them to get a worldview that's bigger than themselves, that's bigger than just their own local youth ministries. And, hey, you know, sometimes we just give because people around the world need to hear about Jesus. Three billion people have yet to hear the gospel. And so it's really critical that we invest in the next generation so they can invest in um, a, a lost and dying world. And so that's number four. Number five would be a compelling service. Um, uh, compelling service. So verse 46 says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were joined together. And I, I think it's so relevant today that they're talking about uh, in, back then meeting together in their homes in the temple courts, where, wherever they were, they were meeting together. There's something powerful about two or three coming together in my name. And, um, I don't think we need to underestimate in this season that like it is important to gather together. It is important to uh, meet together, but uh, sometimes we can't meet in a big crowd, but two or three, he's there. He is there in the midst of them. But I think talking about compelling services, um, I think we need to have services. It's more than just lights and sound and, and everything else, but we need to have um, uh, services that are grounded in Christ that are organized, they're creative, and, um, you know, that, that a, a gnat right now, I heard this said, uh, a gnat has attention span of 2.5 students, uh, excuse me, I'm, uh, a gnat has attention span of 2.5 seconds, students have an attention span of 2.2 seconds, so if you're, like, waxing the elephant for 35 to 45 minutes and you think, man, that was an incredible message. They've already lost you. You've got to constantly be pivoting uh, when it, when you're, you're preaching and yeah. creativity is, I think the crown jewel of your message is you need to be creative. Yeah. Um, and we need to call them up, not call them out yeah, you know, when it comes to students. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and when you're when you're thinking compelling services, it's not like make it more entertaining, make it shinier, make it you know glitzier. Because like you're not going to compete with entertainment that exists out there for students. What makes a service compelling is I have a reason to be here. I belong here, and there's a there, there's something more for my life from being a part of this community. If you're if you're going to try to compete with entertainment. I mean, you better have a million-dollar youth ministry budget to be <laughs> Never able to happened. do with that, right? That's right. But, man, have you ever been in a service that you're like, I, how long is this going to take? You know, can it please stop? So leave them wanting more. The sixth thing um, in a healthy culture that I feel like we need to have is 
cultural connection and relevance. Uh, scripture says that they had favor of, from all people. And what's your reputation from your youth ministry in your youth ministry in your city? Um, if you're, if your youth group just shut down overnight, would anybody care? Would it make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, are you connecting well? Um, is it an essential? Uh, we talk about, you know, who's essential right now. Well, is your youth ministry essential to your community? Yeah. Um, and I really feel like it's important. It's valuable. And you're, you have a reputation, whether you know it or not, in your community. What is that? And everything speaks uh, of culture. Everything speaks of um uh, of the reputation that you have, whether as soon as somebody walks in the parking lot, as soon as they walk into the bathroom, like is there excellence? Um, is it demonstrate um, a feeling of excellence when you, students walk into the room? I, I really feel like you need to have somebody, uh, an outsider walk through and say, Hey, how did you feel? Like um, somebody who maybe isn't even a Christian, just give them a gift card. Say, Hey, would you just walk in our youth ministry and just tell me some things that maybe were weird to you or awkward. Or you didn't understand mm, yeah. because I really believe we need um, to be relevant. And I think one of the greatest things in this generation today that we can be relevant is having a, um, a having a touch of the Holy spirit in our youth services. Mm. Um, something that, you know, we can't, put our finger on it. it it's something that you know we we have to ask god and plead with god god would you bring a touch of the holy spirit a demonstration of your power in our youth services that they can't even explain because they're not as shocked about the unexplainable as we you know we think they are you know right. they see it all the time on netflix and everything else and so they're looking for something real and authentic um and sometimes that's just a sign and wonder that we can't explain away a healing a miracle a sign a wonder of students being filled with the holy spirit a touch from god uh, is something that's powerful and it's the most relevant thing we as believers could could demonstrate to our students yeah i when i when i wrapped up my my time in youth ministry i i was 40 years old and um, the, the idea, not that there aren't like, um, 40 year olds that are like on the edge of pop culture and things like that. But I think a lot of times in youth ministry, we feel like relevance is you got to know the lyrics to all the current songs that are out. You got to know the current lingo. Like I, I deferred all that stuff to my young leaders. The best way I could be relevant for our group was to, as even as we said earlier, like be authentic, be me, um, and, and care like something that's always relevant is just loving and caring for the people that you're in relationship with. Right. Yeah. I also love, I know, I know you got one more, but I I do, I love the point that you made at the beginning, which is um, what is your impact on your community? And I think one of the important things for this is sometimes youth pastors think about this as like, I got to go reach my schools or I got to go reach this because I, this is one of the things you got to do to grow your youth ministry. And I would just challenge you to tie back into your very first point when you talk a little bit about gospel fluency is the, the reason that we need to be an impact in our community is because that's the heart of the gospel. Like that's what it means to be called to bring heaven to earth in the way that we live and interact. And, and if we're going to talk to our students about living on mission, that's not just teaching them how to um, have a little easy way to share the gospel. That's teaching them how to live the gospel and making the place that you live and the place that God's called you to a better place and the community a better place. And so I think that's a really important challenge, Steve, and in, in the context of what's my motivation for doing that, you know? 
And that kind yeah. of transitions us to your seventh point as well, which is effective evangelism. Um, if you want to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And this is my favorite because um, I'm evangelistic at heart. Um, effective evangelism, they added to their number daily, Scripture says in Acts chapter 2. And um, I just feel like God cares about every person and every soul in your community. And, you know, people ask, how big is your youth ministry? It's as big as, you know, how many students are in my city, because that's who um, I believe we're after. Um, But I understand that right now we can't have a huge, large youth ministry, um, but um, big sometimes is an enemy to great. Um, Big is how many butts are in the seat. Great is how many butts are in the streets. You know, I want to activate my students to go and reach their friends for Jesus and teach them how to uh, and give them a, a passion and give them an uh, an excitement to see a soul saved. We want to celebrate salvations and under celebrate a crowd. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, there, there's nothing more powerful. Everything we do in emanate come, it, it, it speaks about evangelism. I want our kids to feel like their kids are welcome here and they belong before they behave. And, God, God really loves lost people, and if he does, we should as well. And that means those kids who, who are the down-and-outers, and, outers and uh, they may not look like us or talk like us, but we want them to come and be a part of that. And there's something excited about it. So every event that we did was evangelistic. Um, every every night was evangelistic. I, I want to make sure my, my language was evangelistic. Um, I always uh, asked about for salvations, like a, a salvation altar call in my services. And, um, you know, I'll just leave it with this story. Uh, because I think sometimes we, you know, I, I just, uh, resonate with stories well, and I I love hearing good stories. There was a young man who started coming because he got invited, um, by one of his friends to our youth ministry. And turns out he was, um, amazing guitarist and so we started having him come and be a part of our of our worship and to be honest with you i think it's really hard to gauge like i know a lot of people have um standards as far as like and i'm not saying they need to be heathens by any means but if they're desiring to be closer to jesus i think that's a heart of a disciple um you know but that if we try to put benchmarks on people and say they have to be this standard, this standard, this standard in order for them to fit in and belong and, and be a part of everything we do. Um, I don't think anybody would qualify as far as teenagers are concerned, because I mean, they're, I just, I just feel like they need to be, uh, if they have a desire to draw closer to God, they may mess up sometimes, but it's youth ministry is messy. We all know that. I mean, yeah. there's no perfect, you know, teenage disciple. Hudson was, um, Hudson was a young man who was ADD. He was scattered. He was all over the place. I mean, I remember taking him to a retreat one time and the, the preacher was preaching for over an hour. And he's like, I'm about to lose my mind. He's like underneath the seat. He didn't bring his medication with him. And I, uh, I remember him, uh, you know, his, his friend said, man, Hudson is great, but he's cussing all the time. I was like, well, did you tell him, you know, Hey, you don't have to cuss anymore. And, he, and so he came back to me and said, I told him and he's like, Oh, I didn't know I could, I shouldn't do that. And so he just stopped cussing. <laughs> you know, he just, he started like becoming more and more Christ-like in his heart. Um, and I, long story short, 
two months ago, I was at a ball game and Hudson is now um, in his late twenties. Um, he's an engineer. He had two small kids that were with him. They were his kids. His wife was with them. Beautiful family. And he, he saw me, came up, gave me a big hug. He said, I want to introduce you to my family. And he leans down to his son and he looks at his son and says, son, the reason why you know Jesus is because of this man. He introduced me to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, like, I was the proudest person in all the world. Like That just was, to me, <laughs> wow. was a badge of honor. And that's what youth ministry is all about. And yeah. I think we ne never need to stop sharing the love of Jesus with students. I think it's the greatest honor in all the kingdom of God to be able to be a, in youth ministry. Man, I love that. What a, what a powerful story. And um, I know probably not every youth pastor will get to have a moment like that. However, what you're doing matters. And those those moments, whether you have them or not, are happening because of the ministry Absolutely. you're doing. And um, man, Steve, th thanks so much for being with us and sharing those seven thoughts about healthy culture. Um, I think... I think if you're listening to this or um, you could take some time and like pause on each one of these and really digest and think through or spend some time with your team and wrestle through these and yeah. say, how do we how do we get better at these? So really appreciate being with us, Steve. And um, we look forward to maybe having you on the podcast again and uh, sharing some more great stories, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. It was an honor. Thanks so much, brother. We'll talk to you soon. This is Better Bye -bye. Student Ministries. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Better Student Ministry Podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, be sure to check out our 10-minute training videos and discussion guide for you and your team. You can find those on YouTube and Facebook by searching Better Student Ministry. Be sure to give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and let us know in the comments what topics you would like covered. You can also email us at betterstudentministry at gmail.com.